The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome, everybody, to episode three of Stories from the Sideline. Today, we're going to welcome back to the sideline Mr. Matt Keogh. Matt, welcome back. Thank you for uh, taking the time out of your busy schedule to come back and chat on the sideline. Welcome back. Thank you. All right, Matt, a man of few words. Yep. All right, and today we're going to welcome to the sideline uh, Megan Smith and her son, Chris Desiderio. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course, they get the bike in front of their face, and now they're like, don't know how to talk. Just like, just like my kids during track or during track or soccer practice, they'll talk, 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 talk. Then when I actually ask them a question, it's, what, huh? Of course, you know. So stress, it's quiet. <laughs> I like it. Uh, Megan, of course, is the Niagara Wheatfield uh, boys and girls track and f- boys and girls cross country coach and boys track and field coach. Um, she used to coach bowling in the Special Olympics. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Uh, Megan, you also used to uh, run track and field, indoor and outdoor, and then cross country at St. Bonaventure, right? Uh, I did those in high school. I, we didn't have an indoor team at Bonas. We just did off-season training in cross country and outdoor at St. Bonaventure. Beautiful. What events did you run there at Bonaventure? Uh, cross country girls was just your regular 3.1 5K. Okay. And for track and field, I ran the 800, the mile, 4x8, 4x4, and I was a high jumper and a triple jumper. High jumper and triple jumper, and pretty much, uh, and then you did all the relays as well, 4x8, 4x4. Distance medley. All the distance stuff, all the stuff that I could do back when I was in my 20s, that now if I do it, it would take me like two or three days to complete the 3,000. I always wondered, and especially as a track coach, Maybe you can come up with an answer. Why do the boys run the 1,600 and the 32, and the girls only run the 15 and the 3,000? Great question. I've thought of that a lot. I I would love for the girls to run the 16 and the 32 because then you have a true – Mile, two-mile time. I, I agree. Why can't you? You know, your faster girls always – people judge incorrectly, but their speed on, hey, what's your mile time? And the girls are like, well, my 1,500 time is this and maybe add a little bit to it. But they don't truly have – and they do it in the Olympics. We just watched the 1,500 last night. I have no idea what the – why it is because all the other field events, all everything else is equal except for distance races. Exactly. I never understood that. Even at Ken East will say, all right, girls, it's the almost mile or the almost two mile but like it's I, I don't understand it. It's the girls are very, very, very capable of running a 16 or a 32. In fact, some of my girls run it better than some of my guys. I never understood that at all. If anybody has a great answer to that, please let me know, because that has be always I, I would love to hear that. Yeah, love to hear the, the answer. Between a 1500 is basically nothing. It's and less than nothing. 3000 in the 3200. So. You might as well just keep the same events and have them actually run, you know, the mile. I agree 120%. Steeple. Because the girls are, the boys run the 2,000 steeple? The the steeple, let me just say, the steeple is the most evil event in track and field. How do you just say, how do you just say, well, you know what, running a two mile, it's not. That's too easy. Let's add some hurdles in there and let's throw some water in there every now and then just so, you know, we'll, we'll make you guys just get – feel even more miserable while you're running. Yeah. <laughs> so. I had to do it this year and uh, I did a couple practices on it and it's, it's just not fun. Like, you know, the water pit, everything soaked and then I had to go over to triple jump and not fun. <laughs> I, I agree. I I hate it when it just starts tripling, like just starts trickling down rain and I have to coach while I'm wet. I don't want to run while I'm wet. 
I, I ran, I was a miler, two miler. I can say I was a miler and two miler because I was a boy. Uh, I was a miler and two miler in high school. And I, anytime we had to run in the rain, I hated, hated it. So um, I can only imagine running into a big pit of water and then trying to get out and then running into another big pit of water trying to get out. You're only yeah. supposed to put one foot in if you're doing it right. You don't do it right halfway through, though. <laughs> Listen, but you're as small as me. Forget being just a small little pit of water. It's like the deep end of a pool of water for me. I have to, like, swim out of the uh, I'm, I'm the same the way. Pit. That's a shout-out to Bill Wendy right there with his floaty in the senior lap at sectionals. That's right. You put the duck on and... It was great. Our girls at Ken East, uh, since we hosted NFLs and we've got the new, uh, we've got the new track or relatively new track at our water pit. We took, uh, we got all the girls in there for the NFL meet, and we took one big picture. Me included, myself included. I put my little waiter floats on there, and we took a big team picture of everybody in the uh, steeple pit, steeple water pit, which was really cool. I thought. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and now we're gonna, Chris. You're going into tenth grade, right? You're going into yeah. your sophomore year. Um, you run um, varsity cross country, uh, play JV basketball, volley, JV volleyball, varsity track and field. Uh, you also do travel baseball, unified basketball. Uh, your mom says you ski both water and snow. Um, anything uh, you want to talk about that? For skiing? For skiing. How do you get into water, snow skiing? Ski. I started snow skiing when I was, I think... 18 months old. This is the first time I went to Kissing Bridge. Nice. Um, I was on, like, these little tiny baby skis, and I was harnessed to my mom. And we would basically just kind of slowly go down. So I've been doing it my entire life. So um, you guys were connected to, like, one in front, yeah, one in so back to the skis? Imagine, like, a dog leash. Well, I'd say more like a cat <laughs> leash because it, it was basically useless. Like, if I just went down, like, she would just fall over or... If she was, like, going too far to the right and I turned left, like, I would just be taken down. Well, so, listen, family unity. If one yeah. goes down, the other goes down as well. got to learn somehow. <laughs> Mr. Matt, were you a skier, water skier, anything like that? I tried water skiing once. How'd that go? I didn't know how hard water was. <laughs> um, and, you know, I couldn't stand up. And I got off. And maybe five hours later, my legs were all red. And um, that was the end of that. Now me, I would. Nope. I was no. always the tuber. Give me a tube. Give me a, a water boat. I'll I'll go water tubing. Jet skiing, no way. See, That's not my thing. I was the same way for a while, and I really didn't start water skiing till I was probably like eleven ish. But okay. I had been tubing for as long as I can remember as well. So I used to love tubing, and I wouldn't even try skiing, but. I started skiing, and you have a lot more control when you're on skis, right? Like, if you want to go out of the wake, it's a lot easier than, you know, on a tube because okay. you can do all the leaning you want on a tube. You're not going to go very far. The boat's got to throw you out on yeah. the tube. If you're a skier, oh, I've been thrown out on the tube. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're a skier, you can just cut in and out and do jumps and... You feel you feel a lot more in control when you get used to it. So very nice. That's, that's why I like it. I like it. All right. Um, now, Megan, uh, you said you used to coach the. I was going to say, share the mic. Make sure you get get the mic in there. Okay. Um, you used to coach uh, Special Olympics. Uh, tell us how you got involved in that. That's that's really cool. So I was teaching in Worcester, Ohio. And they were starting up their Special Olympics program. And Ohio, I think in general, doesn't have any indoor track and field. There's just no facilities around to do it in the district that I was in. It wasn't an option for an indoor team. So I was coaching cross country and track and field. And the winter was when Special Olympics was starting and it was starting with swim. And I was lifeguarding at the school in the evenings just for some extra money. And they approached me. I thought it would be a really cool way to kind of give back to the community and work with a different type of athlete. And they allowed me to bring some of my varsity kids over to Special oh, Olympics. Cool. And they were my assistant coaches. And we developed a program and we went from swimming. We added bowling. We added basketball. 
Um, we added golf and just did all different seasons and different events with these kids, took them to the actual competitions and events, got parent involvement, community involvement. It was it was pretty cool. And now a lot of teams in the ECIC and the Niagara Frontier League are starting not necessarily Special Olympics, but unified sports, which I actually like better than the Special Olympics program because the Special Olympics program gives the Special Olympics athletes an opportunity to compete and learn a sport and enjoy a sport and compete in a sport, whereas Unified does the exact same thing, but it also allows your regular education students to be involved. So both sets of athletes are giving and taking and learning and growing and getting better and just forming relationships, which I think is super important for unified sports. So Niagara Wheatfield started it this year. I think we were supposed to start it last year, but with COVID, it never got off the ground. My assistant cross-country coach, Nick Azzarella, and our modified cross-country coach, actually, Anthony Capacilli, spearheaded the two coaches for um, unified basketball. And they ended up coming in fourth, fourth in New York State Public High School Athletic Association. They all got medals. They competed against all sorts of different teams. We traveled far. Um, Christopher was one of the athletes that worked. So you have, he can explain it better. I think you have to have two regular education students on the court at all times. Okay. And their job is to facilitate game play, help set up passes, tell the kids like, hey, move down here, be open for the pass, and, you know, encourage. They have these epic epic dance-offs at halftime (laughs) that could be probably the greatest thing I've ever seen. Uh, This one did the worm across half court. The worm. The worm. Wow. (laughs) Matt, we we might need to incorporate uh, the worm into our uh, flag activities at camp this year. Can you do the worm? I know I can't. I can't. I'd I'd try it, but I'd hurt myself. I'd do it. (laughs) Maybe you can take Chris as a guest appearance at camp one day. Listen, we'll bring him in. He'll he'll be the sumo. <laughs> he'll be the entertainment for halftime. That's <laughs> all you. Perfect. I love it. Now, how, how long did you – were you doing the Special Olympics? How long were you there as a coach? Uh, I taught in Ohio for six years, so probably the last four years of my career in Ohio. I was Special Olympics and then moved to Buffalo and started at Niagara Weefield. That is Awesome. Um, Niagara Reef now I know you guys had a uh, pretty good track season this year. Um, I know you guys were uh, third third place in the NFLs, third, third place in the fourth. NFL meet. I think you beat us, Coach. Uh, I think so, but it, it was it was <laughs> close. Uh, I always, yeah, I think you know that. <laughs> I, I'll have to double check. I always give yeah. Megan a little uh, uh-huh. point triple jump. They wouldn't have. Megan is. Um, when you've been coaching as long as we have, you always get those coaches. You always get those teams where you just look forward to coaching against. And I've got to say, Niagara Wheatfield is always a school that I really look forward to coaching against. Um, not only are the kids very well coached, not only are they very well behaved, um, but their coaching staff, for the most part, is very, very awesome. I know, Megan, um <laughs> It's been, there's been just a lot of times where we'll do, uh, where did we go? What was it? Uh, Chipotle? Was it Chipotle where we had to? Our our pre-NFL, I don't think any other coaching staff in our league would sit down before a championship and all shove their face with Chipotle or Panera, (laughs) um, except for the cross country and the track and field coaches in the Niagara Frontier League. It, It really is such a great community of coaches. And uh, especially in uh, indoor track that I coach, outdoor track. When, speaking of that, when is Wheatfield going to get their stuff together and get that indoor program going back again? I don't know. Is any, anyone, anyone from the Niagara Board of Education? Hint, <laughs> hint, Wheatfield, podcast. get your track and field coach, get your track and field team back. Um, but no, it really is a great, uh, great bunch of coaches to work with. And I know I've I've coached in some other other leagues. I'm not going to say, but it, some coaches you never 
you're never quite really happy to see them or have that little. But I got to say, with with uh, a lot of the NFL coaches, it is fantastic coaching against them. But uh, <laughs> Megan's one where it's always just a big hug off the bus. In fact, Meg, I'm going to kind of embarrass you. Oh, Speaking no. of buses, I think you know where I'm going oh, with. Oh, I do know where you're going. Um, this is so long ago. And it th- not that twice. much long ago. This is it about happened twice. This is what three, four years ago. No? Uh, where you were at our building, and all of a we're, sudden, I get the I get Megan running back over we were to me. Still high jumping. Still high jumping, Larry. You're not going to believe this. Our bus left. What do you mean your bus left? One of them left ahead, right? Because yep. you said no. Both our buses left us. <laughs> And it's literally, Matt, I kid you not, it's literally the next 10 minutes was Megan on the phone with the bus driver. Turn this bus around right now. We still have kids here. We still, I'm still here. Turn this bus around. And the bus driver didn't want to turn around at first, did he? No, no. She, she got, and I mean, they got all the way to Sunder Settlement. They're like, well, we can see the high school. We're just going to drop the students. Then we'll come back for you. It's like, there's no adult. (laughs) I, I there was no adult on the bus, was there? There was no adult on the bus. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I was like, you can't drop my team off. What if they don't have rides? Like, you have to keep them on the bus. And so some of my seniors and my upperclassmen are like, there's my car. <laughs> there's my car. <laughs> As they turned the bus around and came back to pick us up. And Wheatfield's not that – it's not like it's a five-minute drive. It's probably no. a good 25, 30-minute no, drive. It's a, it's a hike. Yeah. It's a hike. Um, I, I – I, I take this personally because this has not happened to me once, but it happened to me twice. I was left at Luport also. I oh. did not realize you were left at Luport. Does your bus it was def- when it was when Richard Bartha was still coaching. I was his assistant, and it was pouring rain at a track meet, and we had to go up in the score box or in the press box with the Luport coach because paperwork got wet and we couldn't score the meet. So we had to go up where it was dry so we could get everything out. And we went up and we – and my phone was blowing up and I ignored it because I was trying – and it was the kids on the bus through the Remind app letting me know like, Coach, we said that they can't leave but they just left. <laughs> so I, I, I think Wait, but the a, kids were telling the bus driver not to leave and the bus driver still left. I think it's a me thing. I think they just don't want me on the bus. <laughs> Some bus drivers are not not uh, very cooperative. The, not, not the brightest. Um, I will tell you we no. have – the best transportation department and I the head of transportation calling me then and apologizing. It was a mix up. They were told they had to be back at a certain time. They assumed I had my own ride. And I mean things happen, but I mean I got I got less twice. I really starting to take these things personally. <laughs> right. We talked a little bit about this on last podcast episode. Um Matt, any as as an athlete um or coach, any Bus rides that were memorable for you. Uh, obviously, you didn't have the busing mishap that the <laughs> that Megan went through. But any, uh, even as a player, any any memorable bus trips or or certain stuff that as a team you guys would do on a bus trip. Um, probably. I mean, nothing major. I just remember one time. Yeah, we were coming back from I think like St. Joe's or something after we played them. And it was our power puff, powder puff game, like at our high school. So we could, we just came from a loss, and we were all kind of bumming, and we didn't want to be around anybody. And we just see like the parking lot's full of people. We're just like, what's going on? <laughs> and we see it's like the power puff game, and as a team, we all collectively just like go and purposely sat there and looked like we all got together and we're like, we're gonna look really sad here because everybody was having a good time. And like the we're like the bus driver was just like I don't know where to go. We're like pull up right to the front. So he pulls right up to the front, and we get off, and we just look all sad and defeated, and we're just sitting there, really killing the vibe for everything because uh, we were, we were freshmen, and we were just like this is this is our statement too, <laughs> the party pooper statement. We are the party pooper statement. Yeah, that was that was a. Uh... Did the freshman class win powder puff at least? No, no, no. <laughs> uh, you know that was. I was hoping the end of the story. I think that was like our. I think I was a protest to powder puff. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the freshmen usually play the sophomores, right? Correct. Or okay, yeah. It's uh, we actually, if we had powder puff in high school, I don't remember it. Maybe I'm that old where we didn't have powder puff. I'm but... with you. I'm that old. We did not have powder puff either. And then I feel like that was something that came around in like the 2000s. I, I don't know. I'm starting to feel like that old guy. Get off my lawn. You were still in college in the 2000s. I was out. 
I was still in college. I was still in college. All in retrospect. Not you. Speaking of college, Miss D1 athlete over there playing at Bonnie, um, we talked a little bit about this earlier, but uh, you you would make trips to Notre Dame. Like you actually got to play at Notre Dame. How? Tell tell us about that. So, actually, I was thinking about this. I don't even think you many people in the league have put two and two together. Uh, maybe some of the cross country coaches, but Michelle White, coach for Grand Island cross country and track and field. Mm-hmm. Um, she also coached for Niagara Falls for a little bit. Her and I were teammates at same bottom match. No way. Yeah, we ran together. She was a little bit older. She came out of section three, I think, Tully. Okay. York. She came out of Tully, and I came out of Penfield, section five. And we both we had met each other at the um, Olympic development camp at Lake Placid. So Michelle and I trained together there um, two summers in a row and ended up at Bonaventure together and then ended up coaching against each other, which has been awesome. But yeah, I, we competed in National Catholics and we're talking memorable bus rides, like, you know, coach driving a million miles an hour down the highway and blasting music, country music, which half the team loved and half the team hated. So it was like this huge debacle on the team of what music we were listening to. And sometimes basketball had the really big, nice coach charter buses, which sometimes we would get. If not, we got like, you know, the little six, eight seater vans and we'd take three of them. So our strength and conditioning coach would drive one, head coach would drive one, and the assistant coach would drive one. And off to National Catholics we go and ended up taking us forever to get there. So you guys had to drive in like the big, just the the big vans? Like the university vans. That's It's crazy. a lot different now. I mean, I was, I was Division One in 96. So things have, and the program has come a long way. Um, my previous coach actually passed away um, and the new coach there is doing leaps and bounds for the program and recruiting they've got a killer incoming freshman class so things are definitely getting better (laughs) does it kind of make you a little like jealous but like man you guys got it this good because we had it that bad yes i see them like being bused to the buffalo airport to get on an airplane i'm like an airplane what (laughs) you're flying somewhere that's crazy that's awesome i love it now and you ran um uh, it just how was it though pulling into, especially with you guys being at that time such a, a small program? Was it intimidating going to like a, a great campus like Notre Dame or going to some of those bigger, bigger programs? Just yeah. being in their stadiums. I mean, definitely because running, you know, teams around this area. Obviously, St. Bonaventure is part of the little three, so Canisius, Niagara, and Bonas, and you'd compete in the little three invitation, and we'd do well. And then we'd compete in the Atlantic 10. So maybe at the time Richmond was not part of the A10, but UMass was. So we'd go out there, Atlantic 10s. I think my junior or senior year were held at Temple University. So going to see all these different campuses and different places. But then Niagara University's home courses at Bond Lake, which is where the high school runs at. <laughs> so, um, you know, you, you kind of feel comfortable because you're coming to a place that you know. But when we went out for these big races, we ran um, at St. Francis, which was just, you know, different. And you don't know what to expect, which I kind of correlate to these high school kids. We've been running on high school campuses because of COVID. Hopefully this cross-country season, we're back to using Beaver Island State Park and Reservoir and... Um, Bond Lake, but they're just used to showing up to some high school and being, you know, okay, you're going to run two laps around this big perimeter and that's your course. So, I mean, I feel like when we're back to invitationals, as I hope we are in the fall, all of a sudden half of my team has never run at the Clarence Invite or the McQuaid Invite, like all these really cool things. So I think it's the same, like a little bit of intimidation, but I think the high school kids are going to feel it too. Because they're going to end up in places that they've never competed in before. For sure. I mean, it's got to be a little intimidating. Like you said, just I know for me, I ran track or I ran cross country uh, as a seventh grader. 
Um, loved it. Would have loved to continue doing it. Unfortunately, it was the same time as soccer. Um, which I'm not going to lie, I'm a little jealous. I know now schools are adopting where they're letting you play more than one sport in the same season. I am so angry and so jealous that we could not do that back in high school because That's I would have... completely separate podcast. Listen, I... I, I Larry's I, rants. I, I'm going to rant here a little bit, but I would have loved to do cross country and soccer in the fall. I would have loved to do track and field and tennis in the spring. Um, winter, no, <laughs> I, I didn't have, we didn't have a, we didn't have an indoor team for a track where I would have loved to run that, but, uh, no, I was way too small I'm for basketball. I'm going to off this podcast, but my, and everyone has a different opinion on the dual sport. I think the dual sport was okay. It's always been a thing. Just hasn't been very, you know, popular this year with wrestling being pushed all the way to the spring. I had two athletes that dual sported. You have to be varsity in both in order to be mm-hmm. eligible. Yep. So you can't be JV in one and varsity in the other. Um, so I did have two athletes for the first time ever I allowed a dual participation. And it was a wrestling and a track and field. And as much as both of those sports are team sports, because you're scoring points for your team to win a championship or a meet, um, they're also very individual. So – Sharing that child at practices was feasible. I don't think a soccer and a cross country, if they're at cross country practice and they're missing the team component of working and foot skills and learning plays together, and then they just show up on the soccer field, they may be a bit behind or not giving – because it, it's more of a team sport. You really need to gel with your team. And on the flip side, if they're going to their soccer practices and doing their running workouts at home, now all of a sudden you have kids that are at my practice every day working their tail off. And on a Saturday, so-and-so shows up that hasn't been at my practice for seven days and knocks somebody out of my varsity lineup because they may be number four on the team. So it's kind of a catch-22, and it's really – as a coach, it's really hard to justify allowing them to do that. And on the health, physical education part of it, their bodies are still growing and they're they're little. And if they're trying to do two sports and their academics and possibly hold a job down, sometimes it just becomes too much. For sure. It's, it's definitely – you've got to do it right as a coach. I know we've had um... – we haven't had too many athletes, but we did have, I think, two or three um, the year before COVID where we had, they were lacrosse players and um, track and field. Now, lacrosse was more of a club sport at okay. 10 East, um, but they had, they wanted to play lacrosse their senior year. There were two very good sprinters for us, uh, Frank and Papoosh. I don't know if you remember them. I remember the names. Uh, the two brothers, they were fantastic but they were the right kind of kids, and their lacrosse coach was very, very gracious, and he would work with us um, and our coaching staff and let us know, okay, here's his schedules. We, if he needs to miss a game, you know, they kind of gave track and field almost the, um, the preference. You gotcha. know, we know that these are their sports. We know they're kind of doing it, uh, lacrosse just for fun. They, they ended up being very good in lacrosse. They were, they were, pretty, uh, they were pretty much starters by midseason. But the coach also knew that the two brothers were going to run um, run in college or planning to run in college. They were also great soccer players, so they're going to uh, play soccer in college. So I think when you have – the first thing is you've got to have the two sports. The coaches get together and really communicate and work things out. Um, and we worked – so we worked it out with the athlete too where we kind of set a training practice and guidelines. for them and let them know, hey – Today, you're going to go a little easy in track and field and let the other athletes know just because you see Pop and, and Frank doing a little something a little lighter than you, that doesn't mean they're not working hard as you. This is their day off. They had a tougher day at track and field where they – or sorry, at lacrosse where they were running a little harder. They were had a hard practice. They had a hard game. So we're giving them a bit of a cool down. And I think we – because we opened up the lines of communication not only with the other coach for lacrosse but with their teammates as well – it, in my opinion, wasn't really an issue at all. I think if you do it the right way, I think it can be very beneficial. But I also do agree, you, you know, you bring up a great point where you've got to give the kid a chance to rest. Yeah. You can't push him hard 
uh, five, six days a week at practice in both sports. Yeah. You're going to you're going to kill And we had a freshman that did it this year. He was varsity in two as a freshman. And it was just all about communication with the with the coaches. And, I mean, he out-jumped your guy. So, I mean, we did something right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you you, you got to get lucky every now and then. You got to get lucky every now and then. Now, Matt, as a as a younger coach, um, how would you, I mean? Would you have a problem if somebody? I know soccer is one of your bigger sports. Would you have a problem if you had a soccer player also wanted to do cross country or another sport in season? Um, would that be Would that be a tough thing, or how would you handle that? Um, I, like like, I think the most important thing in my head is like it depends on the player. Like if I knew, like if I knew this kid's work ethic was like on point and he could do it, then I I probably use more. Like I'd consider it more. If it was like a person that I know who was like, oh, maybe like my friends like on the cross country team and I want to be with them, but also still play soccer, I'd be like, mm, I'd strongly advise against it, just because you know, I want them to give I want them to give their all for their main sport, but like. If they have the skill and the talent to do multiple sports, I'm not going to at all deprive them of that opportunity. And, you know, the thing is, like, I played for two different soccer teams back back when I was younger, and I'd have, like, practices, like, back-to-back. And one was more severe than the other, and it showed that, like, you know, practicing with the more intense team helped me just perform better than the other one as well. So I was like, also, I see like if, if he's playing cross country and say like, he's like a midfielder for me, it's, it's kind of that would help him just build up his endurance. So I was like, yeah, he, he, if he can do cross country, he can do that. Plus it benefits soccer as well. So it, again, it all depends on like the player really. I'm blanking on the cross country runner from Luport That was a fantastic cross country runner. And Pavon? he also not Pavon. Um, and, and he also played soccer. And he also played soccer. I you know exactly who I'm talking about. I know about, who you're talking about, and I cannot think of. He graduated three year, yes. three years ago, and I can't. It, he it's completely skipping my mind, but he did it the right way. But now they require you to pick a primary sport. So when you yes. fill out the application, you have to pick. So if there's conflicts, the coaches, coaching staffs don't get involved in fighting over your athlete. If it's if you have a game and the other one has a match. Whichever sport you picked primary is the one you go to, no matter what it is. And I, I, I don't think we do that at East unless we're going to start that soon, but I think that's fantastic. Yeah. And that way both coaches know right off the bat, hey, your sport A, your yep. sport B, um, if there is a conflict, sport A is going to take primary over that. Uh, like I said, with a lacrosse coach, we kind of, we've kind of worked that out between the two of us, but I think absolutely that's a great idea for districts um, to do. Um, now, Matt, did you ever do? I know you said you did two soccer teams together. Was it one like at a higher, um, like an older division and a younger division? Like, did you play up down? Um, so <clears throat> one was for school. So okay. one was for the school, and then um, it was towards my like end of like my house career because I just did that for like fun and stuff. But I genuinely like because I was training for goalkeeping, so I, I like I was taking shots by like you know people who are very good at school. And then when I when I was in house, obviously I was just like cake at that. But like, but like it showed. I was like, oh my gosh! Like you know, this is this is crazy. How just my reflexes and gauge of where I'm at with the ball is so different. Thanks to training beforehand. So I was just like, it helped my game in a very less severe team. But I mean, I'll take it. Did you ever notice, like, playing at a lower level, if that at some point kind of hindered your skills? Like, if you played at the high-level team and then kind of went back to the house-level team, did that kind of almost like you you took it less seriously or it almost... I think it's the exact opposite. I think I took it way more seriously. In the house league, yeah, really? Because I, like, I'd have, like, the same, like, mindset that if I was, like, going against, like, you know, high school level... Like playing for a school, and I'm going against house kids, but I'm still just like in like the high school mode of just like I'm going to take you out, and then I forget. I'm like, oh, didn't need to do that. Didn't need to do that. <laughs> I love it. Um, now we talked a lot about individual and team sports, Chris. I know you play. Um, 
you play the you got the individual sports with cross country, track and field, but you also do uh, basketball and baseball. Um, do you notice a big difference just in overall team? I mean, I know cross country and track, you have the team, you're trying to score points, but it is very much an individual sport. Um, do you notice a big difference when you're just getting ready for a baseball game as opposed to a track and field meet? Yeah, so in track and field, like you said, you know, it's it's still a kind of like a team sport, you know. You're still warming up together. You're still, you know, hanging out with your friends and your teammates, and you're still rooting for each other. But I feel that it's a lot different in when you're, you know, going to triple jump. Like, you're kind of alone. You know, it's... Very true. It's you and maybe your coach is there, but you're the, really the only one who can decide how you're going to do that jump. And it's a little more pressure, but I think I like it more. Kind of like what I was saying when I was skiing. You okay. have more control, and I feel like I enjoy that more. Right? Like, I when I play baseball, I can only hit every nine guys. Like, I don't really control that much. But maybe I make two plays in the field of the balls hit to me. Like, you don't get that many chances. You have to rely more on your teammates. You got to rely more on your teammates. And you trust your teammates, but you have less control. But you go and you run a 100 or you run a 5K, you're in control from the when the gun goes off to when you cross the finish line. It's you, on you. Do you think individual sports, it almost takes away that excuse where if you had a bad race, hey, that's on me. I either didn't prepare well enough. I didn't stretch well enough. It's on me. I don't have nine other guys, 10 other guys on my team to kind of, well, we lost because of, you know, Coach Larry was over there goofing around and he, whatever. We, you don't have that built-in excuse. Absolutely. You know, if you run a bad 5K, you can't blame it on John to your left because he's not you. Right, where if you guys lost a baseball game, it's not hard to blame it on somebody else and walk away and not learn from it at all. So, really, I think it's, in a way, easier to improve yourself doing an individual sport because there's nobody else to blame it on but yourself. I love it. And for a second, Megan, can I tell you how impressed I am as how a 10th grader is speaking? I'm just thinking back to myself as a 10th grader and what I would do if I was in an interview. And I'd be like, yeah. um, uh, wait, uh, um, um, he's just so, Chris, you are so well spoken. So just carry yourself. I think you carry, you should have your own podcast. Thank you. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm just impressed. It's fantastic. Thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> that is awesome. Um, and I totally agree. I just, I think it's, you almost get yourself up for, you almost get yourself up more for an individual event. It's almost like you want to prove to everybody, Hey, I can do this. Yeah. I've got coaches. We're going to go out there. It's, it's the coaches are helping me out there, but I'm going to beat you. It's going to be me. It's going to be, um, you almost get a little bit all, you get all the glory. You get all the defeat too, if you lose, but you get all the glory, which I think is fantastic. You know, like you were saying on the flip side of that, when something doesn't go well, it's all on you. But when something goes well, it's that much more satisfying because UPR, it's not like you won a baseball game, right? Yeah. We all got hits. We all made good plays. We hit well, we pitched well, ran the base as well. When you PR, you did well. You, Absolutely. You did it. The team didn't do it. You did it. You worked hard. You stretched. You... You stretched? Probably not. <laughs> Who stretches? <laughs> but you, you warmed up. You, you know, drank enough water or paced yourself throughout the race. Like, it's on you, and you did well. And that's, I like that a lot. Absolutely. Now we're going to, speaking of coaching there, we're going to go into a little bit of the, before we get into the coaching dynamic, mother, mother, son there coaching. Um, Matt, you were telling me your dad used to coach you in soccer early on. How did, how did that go? Like I've, my, my parents Bad. never, actually, I guess my dad kind of coached me bowling, but I, I feel you there. It was, it was, it was bad. Um, you know. <clears throat> What should I say about this? It's it's 
Never once did I feel like he was treating me differently in a good way. <laughs> oh, so it was more of like cracking the whip harder on you? Yeah, cr- definitely cracking the whip harder on me. I have one vivid memory of playing baseball ones, and I'm playing first base. First base is my thing. I couldn't throw. I couldn't hit. I could just stand there and catch it. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like I had a long body so I could extend. But had the reach. That's, that's, that was my position. And I remember a pot fly got hit up to me. The runner runs in front of me. I catch it, and I dive forward, and I tag him to make a double play. And all I hear the entire time is my dad's like, get up and tag him. Get up and tag him. <laughs> like, not realizing that I made the play. And, like, I run off the field, and my dad does not even compliment it. He's just like, he's just like why'd you fall to the ground? And I was like, I dove forward. So definitely, like, like you know, I guess it was ideal to have my dad as a coach because at least I, like, knew it but also it was just like oh my dad's a coach so he's gonna be on my my butt the entire time now was he like that with with your teammates too or was he definitely harder on you definitely harder on me he definitely i don't know if it's because he wanted me to do better but it showed that he was i i could hear him all the time from the <laughs> sidelines <laughs> now chris having your bob be a uh, cross-country coach track and field coach Tell us a little bit about that. How did how did you feel as that? When I started, I was a little nervous, but I think she handles it pretty well as far as like the going back and forth. Oh, there. good job, Megan! <laughs> Getting brownie points here. <laughs> <laughs> less chores today. Less yes. chores today. <laughs> but um, I think going into it, I was a little nervous for that, but. She's not so much harder on me than she is on other kids. I feel like she's definitely harder on me. Um, I remember one story where if you leave your like an item of clothes or like you know a pair of pants or sweatshirt, as your mom is laughing next to you, <laughs> it gets put in a bin. Next practice, they lay it out, and you have to go and get it. But when you go and get it, you have to do burpees or push-ups or want to repeat. I like where this is going. So there was three items of clothes. There was a two sweatshirts and a pair of sweatpants. Two kids go and get their sweatshirts. Then I just kind of slowly walked up. I picked up my sweatpants. And while the kids had to do one hill repeat, I did two. (laughs) <laughs> you made him do double the he work. Double the repeat. And then I got a good earful in the car home. <laughs> now, wait. You obviously picked it up and put it in the bin. Oh, yeah, you could have did. very easily just picked it up. Here you go, Chris. You, you picked it up, put it in the put bin. It in the bin, took it to the practice. So when you were asking Chris if you know he was nervous going in, when he switched from the private school to the public school and decided in eighth grade to take the APP test and, and try out, I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe he should start with modified. It'd be his first, you know, go with sports in the public school. He wouldn't have me as the coach. It would be a good transition, you know, into middle school. And I'm glad that I let him take the AP test because he ended up varsity and ended up making it to sectionals. Um but I was nervous also. I didn't want anyone to think he was being given special attention. I didn't want our relationship as mother and son to be impacted if I was too hard on him or too soft on him. And so I just decided, okay, I'm I'm going to be his coach. And when we are at practice, he is my athlete. If he needs to be congratulated or amped up or, you know, given, you know, something – that I would do that. And if he needed to be disciplined or told he needed to pull his head out of his butt, he would be told that. <laughs> so that first time when I cleaned up after that meet and I, you know, I'm throwing the stuff in, in the lost and found bin that I just keep in my car because there's stuff in it almost every day. I was like, huh, these are Christopher's <laughs> right in the bin. Because I if I had taken them out and saved him the repeats, then I would be playing favorites. And I don't want to ever be accused of playing favorites with any athlete, much less the fact that, you know, my son's on the team. And as tough as those repeats were, I kind of agree with that. Like, I would rather her be a little – and the kids on the team know it too, that she's a little tougher with me. And I think I like that more than them not knowing 
Wait, whether she's whether she's tougher on me or easier on me, like the fact that they know she's tougher on me kind of becomes like a joke, you know, around. And it's like, you know, if I did this, I'd have to do a repeat. But if Chris did this, not only would you do two repeats, get an earful on the car ride home, and he'd get the dirty look all the way back. And, um, you know, it's nice to know that they don't think anything's handed to me because, you know, I really have to put in a little extra. It's almost like you earn, you earn even more respect from your teammates yeah. because they see, like it said, it's mommy not taking easy it's on you. It's yeah. mommy's making you run more, and then mommy's yeah. going to yell at you in the car ride home. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, you know, daddy ball. It's like the opposite, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> I'm so thankful that neither one of my parents were very athletic and neither one of, like I said, the only thing my father really coached me, he was a bowler and I, I tried bowling as a, as a younger kid and I was decent at it. In fact, I coached at Kenmore West, but that's a whole other story. Um, I don't know how I got that job, but he would, he would kind of help me out there in the lanes. What's that? Do we coach against each other? No, I, um, who took over? John Boutte was coaching when you were, uh, uh, he, I think the year I started was your the year the first year that you didn't do it. Okay. So I think so he we had just, just missed. We that. just missed maybe by a year or two. Um, but no, he would coach me on the lanes or whatever, and that was stressful enough. But thankfully, I could just see if my mom was my coach, especially my soccer coach. I could just see the short little Italian woman <laughs> running down. <laughs> Lawrence, run more, run more, run more. <laughs> so I'm so glad that she was not uh, not athletic. Sorry, Bob. I hope you don't <laughs> listen to this episode. <laughs> but um, now Matt talked a little bit about uh, his dad being hard on him. Um, Matt, did you ever get, like, teased from some of your teammates about having dad as your coach? Did you ever get any, uh, any guff or anything? No, uh, the only – the only thing I so after I, I started coaching, like I coached a little with my dad actually. Oh, you coached with him later on. I did. Okay, um, a couple times, and the only time that anything popped out to me, this I was coaching. I was coaching uh, very young soccer, like very young, like I think like eight nine, and um, this girl comes up to me. He's like, Coach Keo. I'm like, Yeah. She's like, You sound and yell just like your dad does, and I'm just like, Oh. All right. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I didn't get teased, but later on, like, people are like, you sound like your dad now. <laughs> I was going to say, that's never – I feel like that's never a good thing. That's never a good thing. No matter how good the mom or dad is, it's just you don't want to be compared to your parent, no. especially for yelling. If someone um, were to say that I sound like my mom, I would not be happy. Like, <laughs> I have a you. feminine voice. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> now, looking back at it, do you think that you yell like your dad? Or do you find yourself saying the same speeches that your dad said to you as a player? Oh, 100%. Like, if I miss, <laughs> if I missed a... Uh, like say I was in goal and I missed like a shot or something, my dad like you got a hole in your glove or like or your foot or what have you. And now when I say it, I say it instinctively and then say, "Oh, my dad said this to me." <laughs> like that's what he was talking. And about. then the kids will be like, "What does that mean?" And I'm like, "I don't know either." <laughs> it's a great question. Mind answering that for me? <laughs> like, do you know? Because I sure don't. Now, Megan, I got to ask, why the double repeats? Why two repeats for leaving an article of clothing for Chris instead of just one? I got to ask. She's ready. She's, so re- she's ready. The double repeats were for a reason. Everyone, when we circled up to stretch, I said, here's the items. Claim what's yours. And, you know, it's burpees today or maybe it was squat thrusts. I don't even remember. It was planks. We were I, doing one hill repeat of that. Day. Oh, you're right. It was okay. So it was a hill repeat, and instead of just walking up with everyone else and claiming his pair of sweatpants and doing his hill repeat with the other two people, he tried to sneak it so I didn't see it. So therefore, it was two repeats. I probably uh-huh. I may like if Matt had come up and tried to sneak and take the things, I may have found that funny and had him still do the one repeat. But because it was Chris, it wasn't funny, so he had to do two. So Chris didn't tell the whole story. He tried to right. sneakily and get that I, clothes back. I, I he did. It was he, a little sneaky, but it wasn't. It was more like a funny sneak. It was a funny sneaky. Like, it definitely. Like a, he was getting caught either way. Like he had yeah. to walk to the middle. I was going to see who picked up those sweatpants, regardless. But because he didn't just jump on it and do it right away, I was like, "Oh, we're going to be funny. 
That's two. <laughs> That's kind of. He didn't leave anything else for the rest of the season, no, so it worked. I was lesson learned. Lesson learned. I I love it. Um, now that's going to bring us to, uh, we talked a little bit before on our first podcast about nicknames. Um, Chris, I heard you have a, uh, a nice little family nickname. If you want to, if you want to share with us over there as mom really quickly points <laughs> the mic right towards you. So being named Christopher, um, my aunt would start to call me fur tree and, cause uh, she's cause she's a dirty hippie. <laughs> Wow, I had a dirty one in there too. Yeah, <laughs> so, all right. Um, we've been. I'm gonna send this to Aunt Courtney, so you probably want to explain why she's. A I baby. was about to. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, she, um, she's awesome. She hiked the Appalachian Trail. Um, she. What else did she hike? She hiked. She through hiked the Appalachian Trail. Yeah. She from, through hiked. Through hiked it. Yeah. She also through hiked the Pacific Crest Trail yep. from Mexico to Canada up the west coast. Then, um, wow. w- while she was doing uh, the Pacific Crest one, she s- was in Bend for a little bit and fell in love with it uh, in Oregon. So she moved out there, and um, she's pretty awesome. She works for a tour company out there, but um, she does all that crazy stuff, you know, like rock <laughs> climbing. And So when I was really little... We would call her the Dirty Hippie, <laughs> and the name stuck. Now, was that we or were that Bob called her the Dirty Hippie? There was a little bit of everybody. A little that bit of everybody? Mom, dad, little sister. So the Dirty Hippie name came from Christopher because he was at daycare, and they were at circle time, and they were singing songs, and Christopher raised his hand and said, I have a song, and he sang just like this. Rolling down the street, smoking oh, no. and no, sipping on gin and juice, <laughs> laid back. How old? He was probably four. That's awesome. And the daycare teacher was like, oh, I don't really see your mom singing that song. Like, Chris, where did you learn that? And he goes, Aunt Courtney taught me because she's a dirty hippie. <laughs> So they thought it was really funny, and they took him to every other room, like, you know, the kindergarten room and the baby room. And they're like, sing your song, Let's pollute the minds of the youth. <laughs> so Christopher walked around the daycare all day singing this song to all the different staff. And then I came to pick him up, and they're like, I'm fairly certain you don't, you know. Don't know the words this. that you're singing. Um, but it was hysterical. And they're like, he said the dirty hippie taught it to him. So they're... Ended so then Christopher became fur tree because he was Christopher and trees live in the forests and the dirty hippies live in the forests and it all kind of came together. Now, besides fur tree that was given to you by your dirty hippie aunt, uh, did you, did you, do you have any do you have any nicknames that uh, teammates have given you through uh, whether it's been baseball, track and field, cross country? Yeah, so being named Christopher, I obviously get Chris quite a bit. But I think a lot of my close friends they call me Des. Des, um, okay. For Desiderio. Uh, my dad was also Des, and his dad was also Des. You guys are so kind of passed it, down from yeah, generation without, to generation. And it wasn't even like, you know, I told my friends, hey, my nickname's Des. Like, they just kind of went with Des and kind of catches on. I, I enjoy it. I think it's kind of fun. Works. <laughs> I love it. Now, Matt, you were telling us before that you're like a big just call the person by their last name mm-hmm. type of person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you have any nicknames? I think we talked about this a little bit. Yeah, but... no, it's the same thing. Um, I was called Keo, which is my last name, and every male person in my family has been called Keo. Just like, like, like also said, I was like, I never came out and said, hey, this is my nickname. People are like, no, this is this. We're just going to call you that. Yeah. People don't even know my first name. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Megan, any nicknames that you would have either – now, nicknames first – first of all, nicknames as a coach, like any of your kids give you a nickname, and then nicknames as a player. Uh, so I have been divorced and remarried, and the group that knew me as Coach Desiderio is like out of college at this point, and sometimes I still get, hey, Coach D, and the, the younger kids are like, who? Huh? 
They're like, Coach D. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I still answer. I was like, they're like, Coach Des. I get Coach Des a lot. Um, but uh, college, Michelle White from Grand Island. Mm-hmm. She gave me my nickname when I was a freshman, you know, at Bonaventure, and I was Mego. <laughs> Mego? Mego. Oh, I like that. Is and there a story behind Mego? There is not. I was the only freshman girl on the team. All the upperclassmen, I think, tried to, like, take care of me like I was, like, a four-year-old baby, and it was Mego. Mego. Um... Mego, come here. And sometimes, like, we'll be coaching, and she'll be like, Mego! And she was always her maiden name was Cutie. K-U-T-Y. Okay. So I still – I have to think when I'm talking about her to say Coach White, not Coach Cutie because it's just Cutie. But when I say it, everyone thinks like C-U-T-I-E, like I'm calling her Cutie. Like, hey, Cutie. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm not going to lie. I've heard you call her that a few it, times and I'm like, I, okay. It comes, out, <laughs> it comes out all the time. and But nobody around here knows her. By her maiden name because she's been married the whole time that she's been coaching in Western New York. Yeah. So Michelle Cutie is nobody that anyone would know except for me. So sometimes it comes out and people give me the look like, why are you calling another coach cute? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I wondered that a few times. I had no no idea of the backstory behind that. I was just like, okay. All the coaches in the league listen to this so they know that she's just not calling it. It's out of the bag right it's now. Out of the bag. Um, I didn't have too many. I was more of just called by my last name. But uh, senior year of soccer, I was one of the captains, and we had another Larry on the team. And first day of practice, without a beat, one of uh, uh, our my junior captain came up to me. We're going over names, and he's like, "You know, I'm Larry." He's like, "No, we got an, we already got a Larry on the team. Your name is Roger." And this kid was a freshman coming into play just. Roger for the rest of the year everybody called this poor freshman Roger because my name as a senior was already Larry everybody would call me Larry or Monahan nope we've got a Larry you're Roger so I it stuck and this poor kid for the rest of that season I had already graduated sophomore season junior season senior season in fact in the yearbook it has larry roger and i'm not going to say his last name but this kid for the rest of his high school career was called roger and apparently he did not like the roger nickname but still could not get kids like i couldn't shake it he couldn't shake it i remember asking him because he uh he played soccer with us um, I was in the drama shows or whatever as a kid, and he did the drama shows as well. And I remember asking him, like, do you even like Roger? He's like, no, I hate it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. I'm like, <laughs> I don't care. People could call me Lawrence instead of Larry. And no, it did not. It did not shake the Roger nickname. And I'm pretty sure kids to, or people today, like friends of his, still call him Roger. <laughs> I feel so badly for the kid. Um. I think that's a great point for us to stop. Uh, can I tell you guys, Matt, thank you for coming out on the second one. I think we're going to make this hopefully a a daily or a weekly occurrence daily since it's a weekly thing. show, a, a more of a, a, a co-host type of deal, okay. if you're still willing to put up with me. Sure. Awesome. And uh, Chris, Megan, I think you guys were awesome. Thank you guys for, so, for coming out. Um, as mom ruffles Chris's hair, just to mess with him one more time. <laughs> Uh, thank you guys. It was a ball. Thank you guys for coming out. I hope you guys had fun. Yeah, thank you so much. It was I, a great I really time. enjoyed it. Perfect, perfect. We'll have to do it again. Well, thank you guys. That's uh, episode three of Stories from the Sideline. Please listen, please share, and we'll look forward to you hearing from everybody soon. See you guys. Grocery shopping day. <laughs> oh, hello, Mr. Cashier. Hello, Mrs. Card Pusher. Hello. How are you doing today? Let's see what the old wife put on the uh, the shopping list today. Let's see what. Um, let's see. Number one, we got a uh, Chris Hamsworth. 
Oh, that doesn't seem right. I don't. I don't think that was, they sell those here. Uh, must be some kind of mistake. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Chris Evans. Oh boy. This is her celebrity crush list. Awkward. Don't be like this, husband and wife. There's only one place where a list like that belongs, and that's the Eat Sleep List podcast. You can hear us every Friday on BICBP-radio.com, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.